Welcome back to Financial Therapy. It's not just about the money. I'm personal financial planner, columnist, and financial therapist, Rick Kaler. Research tells us that 90% of all financial decisions are made emotionally, not logically. For nearly four decades, I've been helping people make better money decisions. So what makes my financial worldview different from most financial experts? I blend the nuts and bolts of financial advice with the emotions that drive making them. Good money decisions are not just about the money. So let's get started with today's episode. Welcome back to another edition. I've been wanting to do this for some time. I have never talked about NVC on the podcast, which is nonviolent communication. It's pretty popular. I'm going to guess that many of you have heard nonviolent communication, and I am by no means an expert in it. It's something that we teach in the financial planning firm and to our whole staff. And we have done a book study on it, I don't know, three or four times. It's probably the most elegant way of um, communicating and both communicating with others and with ourselves that I've come across. And of course, if you listen to the podcast at all, you know I'm a huge fan uh, fan of um, internal family systems. And NBC really dovetails quite nicely with IFS, just as the way that the Enneagram dovetails quite nicely with IFS. So I'm not um, speaking of something different or a different modality. What I'm talking about is deepening our understanding of how to gain emotional wellness. And I think I've said before, the the purpose of our financial planning firm is to transform the financial and emotional well-being of others. And we don't do financial therapy in the financial planning firm. But nevertheless, it's, it's not black and white. These principles are important by these principles, principles in uh, therapy, modalities of therapy, are really ways of being with another person. So I, I wanted to go through NBC because it has a real connection with financial therapy and with helping us understand our um, reaction to our money scripts, what's going on inside of us, understanding the difference between needs and requests, and how to uh, how to really effectively be in relationship, listen, and communicate with another person. And this can have huge financial impact because the most important person that we communicate with, if we're in any type of coupleship, is our partner. And I think we all know there's a huge financial implication of any partnership. So let's dig in. This isn't (laughs) in 25 minutes. I am not going to hit everything of NBC. I've taken uh, three-day workshops on NBC. But I want to give you just a little flavor. So the purpose of NBC is to help us connect 
with ourselves and others in a way to make compassionate giving possible, which is a very interesting concept. So NVC is a language. It's a way of speaking, but it's not, it, it, it's not a formula. It's kind of like the Enneagram. The Enneagram is not a personality typing mechanism. It goes much deeper than that. So NVC is a language that helps us connect based on feelings and needs. And then it has strategies for um, influencing other people. Not to be taken as manipulation, but it's a strategy for basically asking what we need. So in MVC, it, it, it really focuses on two questions that we can ask ourselves. What's alive in us and what would make life more wonderful? Now, those maybe seem a little uh, vague, and I'll parse those out. What's alive in us is often where you start an IFS session. What's up? What parts of you are up? What's, what's alive in you? What's, what's got your attention? And then, what would make life more wonderful? And we'll explain that. So, to do this, it really requires us to learn the skill of observing without evaluating. This is big. And this is big in making good financial decisions. There's a difference between saying what we observe and our interpretation of what we, what we observe or our evaluation or judgment. It also requires us to speak from the heart, not the, the head. So human beings love to give. I mean, it's just baked in our DNA. We really like to give. And I, I think it is tied to our need to matter, our need to make a difference, to be seen, to be heard. So NBC is very uh, unique. Part of it focuses on how you can contribute to my well-being, how you can make life more wonderful for me. <clears throat> and immediately when you hear that, it's probably not what you think. It's not focus on the other person and a focus on what they can do for me. But by focusing on my feelings and my needs and my requests, it allows others to give us a gift. So needs, we all have needs, and needs are life in action, according to NBC. And feelings tell us if our needs are being met. Feelings tell us if our needs are being met. So this is uh, another important concept of NBC is the difference between needs and feelings. And by the feelings we're having, we will know immediately if our needs are being met. Now, it's important to understand that we can't be responsible for each other's feelings. We are only responsible for how we respond to another person. So, nonviolent communication 
is talking about constructive ways of communicating, elegant, elo eloquent ways of communicating, appropriate ways of communicating. So let's talk about destructive methods of communication. Any type of moralistic judgment versus evaluating is uh, really typically pretty destructive. It's um, important that we don't think in terms of what, what is right or wrong with other people. Uh, this is all something I know a lot about <laughs> because I'm a, an Enneagram type one. Enneagram type ones are full of judgment and evaluating. An Enneagram type one can make somebody feel, feel less than and inferior without saying a word. So um, when we're making a moralistic judgments or thinking in terms of what's right or wrong with other people, we have to ask ourselves, what of our needs are we not meeting? Now, I don't know. You, you all probably are a lot more, uh, oh, emotionally mature than, than I was, I don't know, 20, 25 years ago. I remember when I first got into group therapy, the uh, therapist maybe would be talking to me or I would be doing some type of work in the group where the focus was on me. And somewhere in that process, it feels like he would often ask me, so Rick, what do you need? I hated that question. I hated that question. I once told him, you know, you can make a lot of money if you can invent a needs pill that uh, people like me could take so we would know. So this is not easy stuff. It's not easy to know our needs and it's not easy to know which of our needs are we not meeting. Uh, part of uh, the destructive oral communication or destructive methods of communication I'm talking about also would include the fact that when we judge, people often will feel shame around our judgment. Not all the time, but a lot of the time. And people who are shamed are less likely to meet our needs. So, in a way, I used to think that I would get motivation and uh, compliance from people if I told them what was wrong with them, if I told them how they could do things better, uh, if I reinforced that they just screwed up. And I thought that that would work. I didn't think in terms of then maybe they'll meet my needs, but clearly that's what I was doing for whatever need I had. I need, I needed this other person to show up differently. And it usually doesn't work. I think there's research out, and I've probably referred to it before, that when you tell somebody to do something, you have a 42% chance they will. If you ask somebody to do something or ask them if they would consider doing something and all, and in the same sentence tell them, but you're free to do whatever you think is best or you're free to do what you want to do or you're free not to do it. The chances of that person doing something for you go up to 83%. So people love to do things for us. They love to give 
gifts of meeting our needs. But a, a gift isn't a gift when you're told to give it. <laughs> when you are demanded to give it, there is nothing coming from the heart there. So we really not only reduce the chance of our needs being met, we take away the joy of someone else meeting our needs. Another destructive method of communication is making comparisons between ourselves and other people. I think we've all heard this. Again, this is really, really difficult to do. But when we compare people with ourselves or we compare people with people, this usually makes life more miserable for us. Another destructive method of communicating is denying responsibility. Oh my, this is a big one. Just this week I told somebody how refreshing it was to be in relationship with someone who takes responsibility. I've learned in a couple of the couples counseling courses that I've taken, uh, it's an IFS-based couples counseling modality, that one of the important ways to get a couple to uh, regulate, which in layman's terms, I understood it as to calm down and really be able to hear each other, is to help them begin to focus on what's happening inside of them when their partner does such and such. Because we are typically focused on the partner that if the partner would only change, life would be wonderful. And that is not the case for lasting and permanent uh, conflict resolution. So part of denying responsibility is not understanding that we are each responsible for our feelings, thoughts, and actions. You don't make me do anything. You don't make me feel anything. Um, I don't behave poorly because you do this or do that. I can say I choose to behave poorly because this is the way I react to you. Uh, we don't have to do anything. Um, for example, you might say, well, I, I have to work at this job. I have to do this. <clears throat> no, we don't have to do anything. Now, there may be some real consequences for not doing things, but we have a free choice to do what we do. Now, I know this is tough. First time I ever heard this, I was like, oh my goodness, wow. But I, I do really want to emphasize that nobody makes us feel anything. So anytime I'm worried about making someone feel X, and usually the word is bad, which is not a feeling, um, man, I'm taking on tons of responsibility that are not mine. I don't have that power. I don't have that power to make anyone feel anything. Another destructive method of communication is communicating our desires as demands. We kind of touched on this, but a demand threatens others with punishment if they don't comply. 
I demand you do this. Well, what is the consequence if I don't? And in, inherently, there is a consequence. Think of a law, right? A law is a demand. Uh, the law demands that we drive in South Dakota, I think it's 85 miles an hour on our interstate. And it doesn't demand that we we drive that. It demands we don't drive faster than that. And if we do, there's a consequence. So it's destructive to c communicate our desires. I, I have a desire for this need of mine to be met. And when we communicate them as a demand, things go south. Uh, another destructive method is threatening punishment and reward to motivate other people. This, this just assumes that the other person is bad. And if you act this way, there will be punishment. Or if you act this way, I'm going to reward you. What would, what would we like the other person to do differently? And what do we want their reason to be for doing what we ask of them? To do it because of fear of being punished is a real losing game. And to do it only because they're going to get a reward. I mean, there's no heart in that, is there? The use of praise and compliments is a part of rewarding. And this is a hard one. Uh, in the uh, course I teach at GGU, we talk about the uh, dirty dozen. And these were 12 roadblocks to communication that Thomas Gordon came up with and things not to do to your kids to get them to change. And one of them is praise and compliments. And the first time I ever saw that, uh, I saw that, I'm just like, what? <laughs> but it's, it's a praise and a compliment, a compliment to get your needs met, which is a reward. So what we would hope for is that the people around us will meet requests to meet our needs out of out of a purity of wanting to do that. And it gives them a gift as much as it gives us a gift rather than a manipulation or, or threatening them with some type of punishment if they don't get that. So I know that is a lot and there's a lot of meat in all that to unpack. Let's talk very quickly about evaluations. Uh, Christian Murray once said that the highest form of human intelligence is observing without evaluating. Now, this is really difficult. At least it was for me and still is. It's critical to separate observations from evaluations because evaluations will usually be heard as criticism. So what, what are types of evaluations? Well, Telling somebody you're to this or you're to that. It's definitely an evaluation, isn't it? Using any type of language or verbs with uh, evaluative meanings to them. 
implying that one's inferences of another are the only ones possible. Or if you see a confusion of prediction without a certainty or a failure to be specific about a reference, you always, which I'll get to in a moment, or being very vague with that. Uh, use of words denoting ability without indicating an evaluation is being made. Or exaggerations, like always, never, seldom, frequently. And I know I could get into that much more, but I, I just want to hit the surface on this. So, we uh, often live our lives going around as nice people that are really dead inside. A mature person, a person with emotional intelligence, can differentiate between feelings. Uh, one of the problems is that too often we are other-directed rather than in contact with ourselves, right? If I go around as a nice, polite, dead person, I am other-directed. I'm worrying about what other people would think about what I really want to say. And I've lost contact with myself. I had a therapist once that used the term, you have abandoned yourself. And I never understood that. But I think I get it a little bit more. I've said this before, you know, as a society, we use feel instead of think a lot. I feel this. I feel that. What do you feel about this? And somebody will usually come out with a thought or a statement. So th this is really important for us to understand because that's the disconnect that we have with ourselves. Rather than being in contact with what I really do feel, we are all caught up in our thoughts. And we know that our, our feelings are driven by thoughts. So it's really important that we can let the thought go to see what the feeling really is that we need to express, that we need to be in touch with. Something else is when we uh, say things like, I feel unimportant, I feel misunderstood or ignored. Those are more interpretations of others' actions. So non-feeling words are, I feel abandoned, I feel rejected, I feel betrayed, I feel disappointed. Those are combinations of feelings and unmet needs. Also saying that I feel good or I feel bad really prevents a listener from connecting with what we are really feeling because feeling good, feeling bad is not a feeling. So in NBC, NBC we don't want to express feelings without the need, which is the cause of the feeling. Right? When my feeling when my needs don't get met, I have feelings about that. And then we need to learn to hook all of that to a request, which we're not going to get into whatsoever. So I hope that's just a little bit of taste. I, I hope in listening to this you go, wow, <laughs> there's a lot there. There's books on NBC. Um, there's a lot out there on NBC. But when we start to hook this into in an IFS lens, what our parts are feeling and needing, it can just add a lot more depth to uh, understanding 
our internal system and being in um, relationship with other folks. So, hope you enjoyed it. Take care, and we'll talk with you next week. Thanks for joining me, Rick Kaler, for another episode of Financial Therapy. It's not just about the money. This is where I combine the nuts and bolts of financial advice with the emotions that drive making them. Remember, every financial behavior, whether it appears illogical to you or others, makes perfect sense when we understand the underlying beliefs, feelings, and thoughts. Sign up for my weekly blog at financialawakenings.com. I hope you'll join me again for our next episode.